17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one winning, winning drive. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Winning Drive Podcast. I'm Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of the Glenn and Rita Show on 105.7 The Fan, with my guy Cordell Woodland from Shaking It Up Sports and the Ravens reporter for 105.7 The Fan. Ravens got a lot of breaks uh, on Monday night, as currently they are the sole number one seed in the AFC, Cordell. We'll talk about the AFC playoff picture later on in the podcast, but For now, let's talk some Ravens, specifically uh, regarding the team itself. And Coach Harbaugh, who we know he's been here since 2008. So my math says this is his 16th season because, you know, you got to add one from the actual number of years, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the 16th season uh, for the Ravens. Obviously, he's going to um, end up averaging 10 wins per year. Um, in his legacy as a Raven, which is really awesome um, from a head coaching perspective when you think about it. There's been some concerns, though, this season. Um, And a lot of it has to do with some inconsistencies regarding Coach Harbaugh. Uh, And I'm curious to know your thoughts on maybe why there's been some inconsistencies. And I'll break it down. You know, like there's been some, some coaching blunders. Okay, for instance... In the Colts game, you bring out Zay Flowers at the end of the game to uh, receive a punt. And for whatever reason, that was not communicated in order for what Zay was supposed to do. Zay makes the wrong decision. Essentially, it affects the fact that the Ravens win that game, and we know that they lose that game in overtime. Chargers game does not... Uh, flag for two clear first downs that the refs did not see. And we'll talk about the refs later because they've been horrendous this year. Two first down calls um, were not challenged, but then you challenged an obvious pass play that was legal. Weird. In Sunday's game against the Los Angeles Rams, you challenge a touchdown when you know that you can't challenge a touchdown because all touchdowns are reviewed. Um, So there's been a lot of weird moments that's come from Coach Harbaugh this season. Some people would like to believe that the pressure is on because this is probably one of the better Ravens teams that he's had in quite some time. And that with everything going on in the AFC North and how things have broken down, you know, it feels like this is the Ravens' year, so there's some added pressure to what Coach Harbaugh is already doing. I'm just curious to know your thoughts on his coaching this year and what you might think is the problem or what it's causing the inconsistencies and sometimes irrational choices that's being made. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would say that without question, I think Harvest has had moments this year that he'd like to have back. He's had decisions or no decisions in situations that if he could, he'd like to go back, go back in time and kind of change those. Um, I, I guess maybe this is one of those times where me not being a Ravens fan allows me to kind of separate myself from 
the the fans that are people that are a fan of the team that obviously have more emotions invested in the game um, than I do. So I'll, I'll be the rational voice, I guess. Are you calling me irrational? Is that well, what just happened? No, but being a part, being a fan <laughs> is, is a part of it's a part of the description. We're all irrational about our teams. That that's just what comes with it. We look okay. at it with a different eye. You know what I'm okay. saying? So what we considering I, I don't have any emotions involved I, I'll just say this I, I think it's like I said I'm not making any excuses for Harves in the situations that you named the, the ones you named are just a couple of the situations that we can right. go to uh to point to with him I will give him a pass on the Demarcus Robinson touchdown one because after going back and looking at it and talking to a couple of people, they didn't have their right personnel on the field. So I know everybody was all up in arms about Harbs's response to my question to him about that play. Um, which but was, can you elaborate? With, which you which was him it. wanting to pretty much still, he wanted to extend the time because he felt like they, the he felt like the Rams were going fast on the two point conversion, and he wanted to slow it down. Okay, so, so I guess the question is, why just not call the timeout? What was the play? And, 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 the and, and the and because that is the logical response, right? Just call the timeout. You had to end up using the timeout anyway. Uh, for them, the timeout would have would have been quicker. the The timeout would have only given them the thirty seconds, as opposed to him challenging it and then the officials being just oblivious to the rules themselves because if they knew the rules they would have nixed it right away and told him you can't do that but instead they let him throw the challenge flag they go they talk amongst each other and they go back they talk to Harbs. they go back they talk to each other then they announce that he can't challenge it so now he has to use a timeout so on top of the time that's already wasted now he gets his timeout as well. Um, so you you view this as strategically smart. I, I'm assuming the, the, is what you're saying. It matches. It, it matches what he said. It does okay. match what he said. I, okay. I, I'll say that. And I'll admit, in the moment when he's answering that question, I'm like, this is total BS. I mean, he's pulling it out <laughs> of his butt. I, I'm, I'm literally look giving him that look as he's saying it to me. But I I, I have to admit, I mean, after talking to somebody with the team that did let it be known that they didn't have their right. Per- they didn't even have 11 people on the field to my knowledge. So they were kind of about to get caught with their pants down in a sense. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we could take him for his word in that instance that he did that to extend the time. That doesn't take away all the other things that you mentioned and things that you didn't mention. Um, I'll just say that I think we all get caught up in this idea that because coaches don't play, the game physically that they should be close as close to perfect as possible. Right. Because mm-hmm. they're not in the game, actually throwing the ball, catching the ball, making the tackles, you know, actually doing that stuff. So the little bit that they can control, they should be as close to perfect as possible. And I'm not here to say that anybody's wrong in that aspect, because in all actuality, that is kind of the job description. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, I think I don't think Harbs is any different than anybody else. I, I just think that when since we're here and we watch this team so closely and you guys are so 
invested, even myself for my for my job. I'm invested. We right. we watch these guys with a different eye. We're we're so much more um intense with the way that we watch it, the way we break it down. It's I just think that every time I mean we just watched the Dolphins blow that game against the Titans. And I mean, how great of a job has Mike McDaniels done this year? He didn't do everything right. We saw how different it looks when Tyreek Hill isn't out there. And now McDaniel is like, what do I call? What do I do? So I I just think you could go to the best coaches in the league all the way down to the worst. They'll all make mistakes at times. Now, I guess the, the question is, are we concerned that the Harbs issues will come back to bite them in the postseason? Correct. And, and, yes. and, and it could. The reality is it could. It's that that's the answer, I believe, for every team that makes the postseason. Any of those coaches can make a decision that impacts the, the final outcome of the game. I'll say that if I'm going to bet on it, I would say that I'm going to bet that Harbs doesn't end up costing his team an opportunity to win the Lombardi trophy this year. He's made his, he's got his issues without question. He's going to have some head scratching moments, even uh, probably again throughout the course of the season and maybe even in the postseason. Um, But I I, I just, I, I look at his team and the way that they play and overall the way Harbs coaches I just don't think that there's an upgrade. I would take Harbs as my coach in a heartbeat. Um, and that's not to say that he's without fault or he's perfect. He definitely has his issues, but I, I I don't think his issues are going to be bad enough to where it'll knock the Ravens off course when it's all said and done. If the Ravens don't win at all, I think it'll be because of what's done on the field or what's not done on the field, not necessarily due to Harbs's decision on a play or two here or there. Do you think that it could be tightened up though? Do you feel oh, like that, yeah, definitely could get better? I mean, definitely. I mean, could get I better. that's something we can say about all coaches. Yeah, I, I'm very yeah. well aware. I'm just making the point that there have it feels like, and I could be wrong, but it does feel like that there's been more head scratching decisions or non-decisions this season than maybe any other season. And you wonder if it's just the pressure is mounting a little bit because it feels like the this is the Ravens' year. It feels like it could right. be the Ravens' And I think that's what it is. I think it's more so that that people feel like the Ravens are it, – it's pretty much the Ravens to lose in the yeah. conference. I don't know if we could say that about the Lombardi Trophy, but at least when you look at the AFC right now, the conference is really there for the taking. Um, yep. I'll say this. I, I would make the argument that Harps has had more questionable decisions in years past. You think back to – what was it, last year where they just – would not stop going for it on fourth downs all well, the well, time. Well, that, yes, he has become more conservative. Right. But what's funny about that is, Cordell, a lot of people weren't happy about the fact that fourth and short in the game on Sunday, he made, it was not, he didn't even think twice. Mm-hmm. My team came straight out mm-hmm. and was like, he was like, I ain't doing it. Right. And look, right. I know that the defense had played better in the second half, so maybe you feel confident, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like we're used to seeing Harbs making those types of decisions. And for whatever reason, he did. Well, I, I think personnel decides that, you you know, your team. Right. So in this instance, the Ravens have had one of the better defenses in the league this year. Harbs is going to trust 
that side of the ball. Not that it hasn't been that case in the past, but their defense this year is better than their defense has been in, in quite some time. And that's with knowing the Ravens always have one of the better defenses in the league. So I, I think I think it's just a combination of everything. You think back to Lamar's MVP year where they were going for it a lot and converting. That's because he knew that they had the best running off rushing offense in history, and you weren't going to stop them from getting any type of fourth and short situation. So now, like you said, he's gotten more um, conservative in those spots, and I don't know if it's necessarily because he doesn't trust his offense as much. I think it's more so about him trusting his defense to not give things up. So that impacts his coaching decisions and that. So I, I basically only made the point about the fourth down uh, aggressiveness in the past to say, if it ain't that, it's something else, right? It, it, it wasn't always the challenges. The challenges haven't always been the issue. But now since the fourth quarter, things are gone. The challenges are, it's just, it's it's balance. You know, you you plug one hole, another one opens. That, that That's kind of how it works. Completely agree. So you know, listen, it, they're 10 and 3, so it's kind of hard. It feels like we're probably splitting hairs here, and it's possible. But just a couple of things that we've noticed the past couple of weeks. And, you know, I feel like that this is the time to have those discussions. Hopefully, um, I, I do love the explanation that you gave regarding um, the, the the challenge slash the, instead of the timeout. And I, I do think that that's a very smart perspective. I do wonder if that's how he thought that that was going to go. I mean, it's still a big chance. But you know what? He's the head coach of a team for 16 seasons. I'll go with the former and assuming he's way smarter than you or me, Cordell. I'm I'm like 95%. I'll give him, at this point, with the information I've gathered, I'll give him the 95% odds that he is telling the truth and still that small 5% chance that it's complete BS. Absolutely. I'll roll with you in that regard. All right, Cordell. So a problem that we've seen um, essentially all year and maybe for the last couple of years, quite frankly, is the referees and the inconsistency. Speaking of inconsistencies, the referees who have absolutely been inconsistent um, all year long, essentially in every game, we have seen so many bad um, calls, non-calls, whatever. Um, The Rams game is something that was another blip it feels like. And so people will sit here and say that, oh, that was a block in the back. And I've watched that play in slow motion. I am not really sure that that is a block in the back. Um, I think it is very close to being a block in the back, but I can see how that was not considered a block in the back. So I think that that's a good no call. And this is me not being um, biased here. This is me seeing it in slow motion as opposed to seeing it live. And I was, I, it, it, it does look a little bit different. Um, but I tell people, that have talked about this. I don't care if whether you think it's a block in the back or not. There were a lot of bad calls going the Ravens way in that game. I think we can all agree that the Puka Nakua pass interference was ridiculous, not even because it was five yards um, out of, of bounds, but because Nakua actually wraps his arm around Marlon and somehow isn't getting a OPI, but Marlon gets the uh, pass interference. There's also a no call that was a clear hold on Jadavian Clowney um, on that touchdown run in the game. There were other things. Uh, the offsides call, it was not like a, a, a Kadarius Tony offsides mm. where it was like clear offsides. It is 
actually ticky tacky to me. It, it felt ticky tack. When I looked at it again, I was like, ah, ah. the point I'm making is that uh, people will try to say that the pendulum is swinging with the referees and, and maybe that is true or not, which if that's the case, that's a problem for the National Football League all around. We've seen, and, every, and then the problem with this is, is that as bad as the no calls or the bad calls are, when they actually, when they actually do get it right, Chiefs game, we want to argue about the refs doing the right thing in terms of calling things that they should be calling. So it just continues to grow the issues that fans have with it with when it comes to the referees and i think that the league even said something recently regarding referees and how they have to reevaluate the situation which hopefully that they do because it's really a problem here i can't think of the last season that refs weren't a problem i mean very what, true what, what was we could go all the way back what was the fail mary you know the the fail was Mary it the Packers the game and the Lions the Packers I think it was yeah. Packers in Seattle maybe or maybe it been Packers in Detroit I can't remember I think it's, I think it's Packers in Detroit it might but be. I, I know exactly what you're talking about but, that was definitely one of oh like, no you're right it is the Seattle game you're right yeah, yeah I thought it was, it was Seattle, Seattle. Uh, Seattle. on a Monday right. night game yep. but it, I mean and that was years ago mm-hmm. and and it's been it, it's just every year and the reality is the refs are the most hated people on the field whether they make the correct call, like you just said, in the Chiefs game, or they make incorrect call, like the one you mentioned on the Puka Nakua uh, pass. Damned if you do, damned if you don't, if you're the referees. So we got to take that into account. Nobody likes them. Nobody likes the ref. But whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? I I think that's just the way it is. We, we We watch the game to watch the players. Right. So the refs, no matter what sport, no matter what sport, who likes referees? I mean, who likes them? They just interject themselves in a spot nobody wants them in. They're there to enforce rules. Who likes rules? You know what I'm saying? So it's like rules are necessary, right? I don't like, know. Like, they're necessary. I but want you to have a stop sign because I don't want everybody just to be rolling the <laughs> Right. So, so, so there's a place for it's, rules. It's necessary. You're right. And the stop sign is there for a reason. But let's not act like you ain't cussed out a red light when you're in a rush. Like, you you know what I'm saying? Like, this, this is true. I ain't a red light runner now. I don't want to put that out there. <laughs> I'm just so. But yeah, have we broken rules before? Sure. Right. And, right. and we deem it, we we like to deem what's a bra- a bendable rule, right? right. Like you it's oh it's it's a no biggie. It's it's he's barely off sides, he's he's barely touching them, he's holding them, but he's not affecting the play. We want to we want to decide when the refs should insert themselves in the game. And so this is where I am with the referees. A, it's impossible to be a referee. I have a very, very, very small experience being a referee uh, in a flag <laughs> football league and in a rec basketball league. Oh, I hated it. I hated it. I, I will never do it again. It's so stressful. And everybody's complaining. Everybody's coming to you about what you missed. And then the calls you do make, everybody's got an issue with that. So. Look, the Puka Nakua one, I'm with you. That was a bad call. No way around it. I that one, I'm I will get I have more of a pass for that one 
as opposed to straight up blown calls because look if a player is going to be savvy and fool the ref and do something sneaky to where the ref can't see it all right look you 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 played the game you played the game right there my issue is when things are happening right in front of the ref's eyes and they act like they don't see it or they they throw a flag on something that clearly is not there those are my issues the blatant ones and i also have an issue when refs Alter the outcome of the game. That yeah. was my issue with the Chiefs one. It's not that I'm upset with the refs that they made the call. Yes, I will admit it's a correct call. He's off sides. I just, and, and, I, and I, it's not like I'm telling the ref to pick the flag up. I just don't like those situations where the game is on the line, the players are making their plays, and a call ends up being the difference. Not that I'm yeah, saying, but I'm in that case, that man was lined up. As a defender, that man was a defender. Like he's literally almost on the other side of the. I mean, he, he is. It was he that is, but, but it, they, I, I, they could not ignore that. No, like, I'm, I, that I'm not. I'm, I'm not telling them to not throw the flag. I'm just saying we could we could see that. I saw a rewatching the film. Isaiah likely had a situation where he's lined up off sides. No flag. It, was it, it that just bad? Happens. Huh? Was it that bad? I mean, he was he was off sides. He's he, you. I, I, and I even saw somebody else like screenshot it on Twitter. If I could find that tweet again, okay. I'll end up sending it to All you. All I know is that Kadarius Tony was so I mean, far off the line. Yeah, he's he's off the ball and he doesn't check with the ref. That's my issue. Yeah. It starts with him. That's my issue too, which is something that you learn very early on right. in football. I will let right. me give you another game though that I can reference in terms of like where I had a problem with refs. I'll give you the Chiefs Packers game a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. where. They threw a flag against the Green Bay Packers for un uh, unnecessary roughness where um, Patrick Mahomes is clearly, it, it, he's not fully out of bounds. His one foot is still in bounds and the Packers player gives him a shoulder bump to get out of bounds because he's trying to get the first down, right? It's obvious. And the player bumps him in the show. I mean, it's just, he bumping him out of bounds, right? And it's football, so obviously it's more than like a little baby bump that I'm implying. It's right. it's a football bump, which is, yes, it's a little aggressive because football is an aggressive sport. But clearly his one foot is still in bounds. They call they call um, un unnecessary roughness. Hated it. Then they turn around at the end of that game, and the Chiefs player is essentially being tackled, tackled down. The, the man's arm is around the, the player's neck, and they no-call it. That's mm -hmm. the problem that I have right. when they do do things right. We, because we feel like it, it's affecting the outcomes of the game. We argue about it when I really feel like that the issue is not even if they were more consistent about getting it right. I don't think that we're having this conversation. I, that's my personal belief about the Tony offsides. It's games like that Packers chiefs game. What makes us argue about when y'all actually getting it right. But then the outcome, because ultimately the outcome of that game would have probably changed if mm -hmm. they called the, the pass interference against the Packers, right? I, I think we, you and I both can agree because that would have that was the spot foul. They would have right. been, I think, in the red zone at that point. For they sure. probably For sure. right? But ultimately, the problem is is that even when they get it right, we argue about it because it's so many times that they don't get it right that now everything the lines are blurred. The right. lines are essentially blurred. Every single time. And while they're not going to always get it right, I get it. They're human like everybody else. I think that sometimes we 
We just try to find, we, we find reasons to argue about refs, but I, but that's a ref problem. It's because they've created this problem. Nobody came to see you, Otis. They came to see the players. They don't come to see you. Y'all have made, y'all have inserted yourselves into these games. And even if it's the right thing to do, we feel like that y'all are doing too much by putting yourselves in situations that you don't belong in. That's a ref problem. And, and that's a league problem. And that's what I was saying. That that goes into the overall hatred of refs in sports universally because we're there to see the teams. We're there to see the players, yep. not the refs. Even when they're making the correct call, we hate it. We hate it. So, and and you say, you know, I think everybody wants consistency from these guys. The, the, the overall truth is it's tough to be consistent when you're having to eyeball things on the fly and they're, apparently not allowed to look at the jumbotron for replays. What really needs to happen is this ref that they have the eye in the sky that they like to call it the, the New York or whoever, it yeah. needs to be somebody that makes it so that they, these bad calls, they don't just let ride. They should be there overriding them. And sometimes they pick the flag up, but half the time they don't. And it should, it, there should, it's too many ways to get the play right with all the different camera angles that they have that, okay, the refs that are there in person on the field, they can't obviously see everything. They don't have the, the constant different replay angles that we get at home. That's where New York should come in and make sure that they're batting as close to a thousand as they possibly can. Right now, refs are allowed to pretty much use discretion. That you can't tell me the back end of that uh, Packers and Chiefs game wasn't a ref basically saying, "I'm not going to decide this game today. I'm not throwing my flag." To so the how side do we feel game. about that? If it's blatant, how do we? You know what I'm saying? I think it's like, terrible. I think yeah. that, I think that's a terrible way to look at it. I, I do. If if you're going to, if it's a call, if it's a blatant call, you got to make it. I'm all for swallowing the flag when there's a holding call going on to this side of the field in the last minute of the game and the play is going to the complete opposite side of the field and that defender had no type of impact on the play whatsoever. I'm completely fine with that. If the if the foul does not impact the outcome of the play, let it ride. Let yeah. the players decide what's going to go on. But I, I just think too many times we've seen flags from the other side of the field. We've seen flags happen on stuff that's not even there to the point to where, all right, you get in that final minute, you get a 60-yard pass down the field, a receiver's getting bear-hugged. You want to see the flag thrown because how can you possibly make a play on the ball? Not even that one. People also kind of excuse – the fans even excused it when when Travis Kelsey was tackled on the Hail Mary to end the game. Like, come on. And and look, in that that situation too, right, like – so I think that there's a consensus that Hail Marys don't like they allow see, them to that, that, that's 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 the trap, I feel and like that's and, and that is that's something that's a consensus that we've seen over time. Right. That flag, that non-flag, and I think that we have problems with this because if it's your team and if, mm-hmm. if your team doesn't get that call and it's right. blatant, it right. is blatant, you are upset. And so I think. People just want consistency. And, mm-hmm. and you're not going to get that, Cordell, because every rep uh, team is different. 
Right. Every you know, they some people call holding more, some people call past interference more. It it's not consistent across the board. I don't know how you can fix this. People will say, Oh, they need to be full-time. Well, NBA got full-time reps. We see that ain't changing nothing over right. there. Why do you think that that's gonna change anything over here is beyond me? But something there has to be a conversation, at least a dialogue that the NFL has to start having. My concern is with betting being involved now, mm -hmm. as big as it is, when it starts shifting to something and to a realm that you don't want it to be, and I, I don't want to use the words, but I, I, I am concerned. I'm concerned moving forward about safety. Let me say it like that. I am concerned about the safety of these guys because now people are so invested with betting that you got to know that at some point that that's somewhere on the horizon. Mm -hmm. Football in, in America is kind of like soccer in the rest of the world, right. right? Where it's rabid. And now you have people actually spending money and betting on these games. My concern is that at some point, somebody's going to make a decision that is a horrible one, by the mm -hmm. way. Because at the end of the day, it's still sports, right? But one that is going to affect what goes on moving forward i just right. don't, you know, and i don't want to see that i don't want to see that and that's my concern that mm -hmm. y'all not getting it right y'all not making these calls that's at some point somebody's going to it's going to affect somebody i don't want to use the word somebody's going to be rash yeah. yeah i'm not inciting violence on anybody right but it's something that the league people are crazy think that's all i'm saying people, people are, are crazy, crazy. Cordell. And I, you got to wonder what's going to happen if these refs keep making the decisions or the non-decisions that they're making moving forward. And, and I think the league has to, like I said, I, I think the league has to do a better job of correcting the bad calls. Like, too many times we've seen them let things ride when it's yep. clear that that's not the way it should have went. And what's the point of having the, the ref crew in New York or the eye in the sky if Thank they're you. not going to be there to make sure that the call is correct each time. So I, if we want consistency, again, I think it's tough to ask those humans that are playing refs that are there watching it live action to always get it right. But that's what the people on the back end are there for to kind of be their backup and make sure that, that they do get the right call in the end. Completely agree. I have a controversial take, but we'll I'll hold that for another conversation. I'm pro ageism when it comes to refs, and uh, people aren't going to like that, but I don't really care. That's a conversation we can have during the offseason. Hey, I, I, even beyond the refs, and this ain't even got nothing to do with the refs, I do think that there needs to be some sort of age limit for guys that are on the sideline. Look at the well, dude that messed his leg up in the in the Saints game a couple of yep. weeks ago. Couldn't move out the way. If you can't, if you're not mobile enough to move on the sidelines, they shouldn't be there because they're a hazard for themselves and the players. It always grinds my gears when I see these old, and nothing against old the, the older seasoned people. But look, you I'm looking out for, for their health. Like they're getting run over. We're seeing coaches get run over. Get out half the way. Time. Like, <laughs> come on. Way. You got to be able to move. That's all I'm saying. And that's the conversation we can have during the offseason where we need some things to talk about. Right. Uh, I, I am ready to get on the bandwagon of ageism here with when it comes to referees. <laughs> all right. When we come back, let's talk about the AFC picture here on Winning Drive. 
All right, so AFC picture is as follows. Currently, the Baltimore Ravens are the sole number one seed in the AFC. We don't need to talk about the rest of the picture. I don't care. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, the Miami, the Miami Dolphins somehow found a way on Monday night to lose, even though they were up 27-13, I believe, with five minutes left against the four and eight Tennessee Titans. Somehow, some way, found a way to lose. I don't think that the Dolphins have beat a team over 500, even though the Titans are not a 500 team. But I'm just making the point that the Dolphins found a way. Y'all, y'all will sit here and say Tyreek Hill wasn't there. Guess what? Injuries happen. That's life. I don't want to hear it. Um, and so you have the Ravens uh, and then the Dolphins, I believe, is it Kansas City in Jacksonville or Jacksonville in Kansas City in terms of the three and four seed? Guess what? It doesn't matter. The Ravens are the number one seed currently in the AFC, and that's what it's going to be. I would like to have a conversation, though, Cordell, about the AFC North. We keep talking about the playoff picture, and the AFC North picture is still not – it's not there yet. The Ravens don't have a strong, strong hold against um, um, in the AFC North. Cleveland is on their heels. And with the way that they've been playing with Joe Flacco being the quarterback the past couple of weeks, listen, the Ravens are 10 and 3, but the Browns are 8 and 5. You got the Steelers at 7 and 6 followed by the Bengals at seven and six, but the Bengals have no division win. So that's why they are at the bottom of the AFC North. Now coming in to the season, if you don't remember guys, I projected Baltimore, Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh. And I feel like I might be onto something here. I think that when the season is all over said and done, that that will be the format, but Hey man, this is something that we have to talk about because the, the it's not a given. If the Ravens somehow go two and two and the Browns finish out winning all of their games, the Browns win the AFC North. And so it, it, while we can stand here and say, oh, you know, these other teams, this, this, that, and the third, I think that you have to worry about what the Browns have going on. Here's, here's their last four opponents at home against the Bears, in Houston against the Texans, at home against the Jets, and away against the Bengals. <laughs> I mean, it's very, very – look, it's very possible. That's all I'm mm -hmm. saying. It, it, the possibility is there when you look at the opponents in which they are playing. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a possibility. They're only two games back. They're playing well. Um, they, they've got a, a really good defense out there. Joe Flacco, I think, has given that team life just by getting anything out of the offense is – is motivating the defense to continue, you know, to, to be at their best. Um, I, I think I, I'm still of the mindset that I think that the Ravens are comfortably going to win the division still. Um, really? Even despite their tough schedule. Yeah. I, I, even despite the tough schedule, I, I just think that the Ravens are elite. I think it go it's more about how I feel about the Ravens as a team than necessarily a knock on the Browns. I, I, I Not that I don't think that the Browns can go through that easy, that, the rest of their schedule, but I don't look at them and, and pencil them in as like a favorite for each of those games. Even, even if they are, they could still lose them. You know, I, they're, they're not that dominant. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously the Ravens having to take on uh, teams like Miami and Jacksonville that are still in the top four in the conference. And obviously we know about that matchup against uh, the, the Niners coming up as well on Christmas night. 
So they do have a tougher road than Pittsburgh at the end of the season. Pittsburgh, I'm sure, will still be having something to fight for potentially. We'll see. Um, but I I just I don't know. I I, I like the idea though of a potential uh Flacco Ravens playoff matchup. That's I that's do not that's I do not because that Browns all defense is very good. I don't like it. <laughs> Forget Flacco. Forget Flacco. I don't want to play that defense anymore. I don't want to see them play that defense again. I'm not interested. I mean, if, if, if two AFC North, if three AFC North teams get in, odds are you're going to see one of them. That's you're either true. going to see Pittsburgh or, or Cleveland uh, at, at some point. I, Pittsburgh or, ain't making it. Come on. Let's be real here. Now, I mean, you really think that the Steelers are going to end up being uh, better than the Bengals, the way that the Bengals have played lately? Uh, I think the Bengals have played better. Um, but I Pittsburgh has won. They, they win ugly. In all their wins, they, they most of their they wins are games they, they do, no question. They most, but the most of their wins are games that they really have no business winning, and they somehow pull it out. I, I don't know. I mean, I put stock into the Texans, but CJ Stroud, Nico Collins, Tank Dale going down. I, I just, I don't know if, if they, if they have enough to get through the end, and they're a young team as is that's already overachieving. The Broncos, they're on a little bit of a hot streak. Definitely got to watch. The Broncos out. can win. I think that the Broncos can get in, friend. They, def- they definitely can get in. I mean, if I if if it's not if it's not going to be Pittsburgh, I would actually say that I would I would think that I'm going to put more stock into the Broncos over Cincinnati. The Broncos uh, could potentially win their own division. They're only they, one game back. Yeah, I, um, I don't see that happening, though. So that, that there's that part of it, too, right? The Broncos are in a situation where they could – this is who the Broncos play. Now, this is who the Broncos play um, the last four games of the season. They have the Lions, which is the hardest opponent that they have. Then they have the Patriots, the Chargers, and the Raiders. I can see the Broncos going 3-1 and one at minimum. Mm-hmm. moving down the stretch that part is 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 very true I could see it happening here's the thing about the Steelers and this is who they play the last four games of their season they they play the Colts which I know just lost badly to the Bengals but the Colts currently I believe have are, are in the playoffs I believe outside well, okay, so the Bengals put them outside. They cur- they were in right. prior to Sunday's game. The Bengals must have pushed them out. All right, there's that. They then play the Bengals, who have been playing well. They then play the Seahawks, which – Oh, no, I'm look- sorry. You're, you're right. I forgot. I'm still on the old format. I forgot it's seven teams in the postseason yeah. now. Yeah, so yeah. I don't – I know prior to Sunday's game, the Colts were in. So I, mm-hmm. I, I have to go back and look. I'm looking at the schedule now. They, and they are. They still are. They still in. Okay. So you got the Bengals then after that. This, this is the Steelers schedule. You got the Seahawks after that, and then you end with the Ravens. That is – what do you think that the Steelers end with at that point? I mean, the reality is I think all of – looking at all of their schedule, a lot of – the league is very mediocre right now. So all of these teams really, really have favorable schedules. I mean – the, except for just, the Ravens. <laughs> except for the Ravens, right. Except for the Ravens. But even Kansas City's schedule is very light. I mean, I, I just glanced at it. They got the Chargers, the Raiders, uh, the Patriots, um, and, and one other mediocre team in the AFC. So, I mean, all of them will have a somewhat easy road, but they're all stuck in the middle right now. These are all teams that are, like, jumbled up in the middle, probably outside of the Chiefs. 
everybody else is kind of just in that middle range. And as good as the Broncos have played as of late winners of what, six of their last seven games, um, they could they could fall off a cliff tomorrow for all we know. I, I It's just I don't I don't put much stock into any of these. Any of the five to below teams uh, and, and I might even throw Jacksonville in there considering they they're without Christian Kirk. Trevor Lawrence stunk on Sunday trying to play through his injury. I don't know how sustainable that's going to be. Um, yeah. But I, I I do think that it'll be an interesting race for the back end of the postseason. Um, but for the top four, I, I, I do still believe I, – I think the Ravens, um, especially coming off that, that win against the Rams, I think the defense will come out with a, a looking to kind of make up for that performance against the Jags. I, I just envision the Ravens really rising to the challenge against some of these opponents that they have on the back end of the season, especially understanding how big that Dolphins game will be for them, how big that Jacksonville game will be for them. And and I think it could serve a, per, a, a benefit for the Ravens going into that Niners game, understanding that they're pretty much going – if they beat Jacksonville, they'll be playing with house money going into that Niners game because a loss essentially wouldn't hurt them because right. they and have the Dolphins. Loss. Exactly, yep. a non-conference loss. They have the Dolphins the week after. I think they'll be able to play kind of loose and free against that Niners team. And you, who knows what will happen. I, that, that's, that'll be the matchup of the year uh, for sure. But, yeah, the AFC is so wide open in terms of the bottom half of the playoff picture. I don't give any of those teams a shot to really – do anything in January anyway, but they do make for some interesting matchups uh, in the postseason when you look at the Ravens potentially having to play Cleveland or even Pittsburgh or even a rematch against Indianapolis or Houston if they end up sneaking in. I, I just think any of those matchups are going to be somewhat intriguing. I completely agree with you. So the last four games of the season, we will find out how this shakes out. But as of right now, the Ravens are sole possession of first place, which obviously means they would get a first round by if they continue to hold on to that honor. So we will see how the Ravens fare the last couple of weeks of the, of the season. Hopefully they find a way to push through and make a strong uh, case for having the number one seed. All right, on the next episode, we will preview the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars as they go down Jacksonville for the Sunday night game, and we'll give our predictions. Um, they have some injuries on their end. I believe Christian Kirk has not been healthy and isn't played. We know the situation with Trevor Lawrence. You already mentioned he's playing with a, a high ankle sprain, and that's because they know that the Texans are kind of on their heels, so they – I guess they're pressing a little bit, but is it hurting them more than helping them? And we'll talk about that on the next episode of Winning Drive. We appreciate you all for listening. So from Cordell to me, this is Winning Drive. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 